It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth, presented by Core Water. Hey, welcome to the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schlereth, along with my co-host, Mike Evans-Scott DeHuff, producing the show. This spot right here is for sale. If anybody <laughs> would like to sponsor this show, you can just get hit me up on Twitter at Mark Schlereth. Easy, right? I'll direct message you back. The next thing you know, you're cutting me a check. <laughs> How cool is that? Uh, Mike, it's great to be with you, man. Uh, so excited for the football season. So many topics. The NFL is the gift that keeps on giving, right? It's a, I mean, it's 365, 24-7, just, I mean, monster that needs to be fed. And there's a lot of things to talk about all year long. Well, if they're the gift that just keeps on giving, then Antonio Brown is Santa Claus. Because. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Santa Claus, a gift. I think, yes, yes. Because does anybody give more gifts to us right now than Antonio Brown? No, and Santa is a big time gift giver. Yes. So right? thank you, Antonio. Antonio Brown. Can you believe he, he? He so he's back in the Raiders facility for the first time like since July thirtieth. Right. And he's like, yeah, you know, wish I could be here, but you know, a, some unfortunate events kind of befell me. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know? Some some infor- you, you talk about self inflicted wounds. I've I've had a series of unfortunate events. Yeah, because you're a moron and you make a bunch of bad decisions that are all about you. I'm hey, I'm happy to be back with my teammates. That's what he said. I'm happy to be back with my teammates. Are they happy to have you back? Like seriously, you missed all this time. One, you got in a cryovac thing. A cryovac. I, I was it machine? Is it like a cryo? Are you familiar with cryovac? Have you ever done? Cryovac? I've never been in a. Cryovac machine. You should try it. Why, why would I go in your, there? But it's supposed to shrink. Like it's really cold. Maybe I'm just looking over at the size of your head, and we could use some significant shrinkage over there. You know what I'm saying? I do have a giant head. You do have a big melon. But yeah, I mean, it's a like it's it's state of the art now. All these athletes are doing this. You went in with bare feet. It goes to like minus a hundred degrees Fahrenheit or some crap like that. I just, I mean, it makes no sense to me. But the real issue is the reason you haven't been in camp is because, I mean, you're a petulant child who wants to wear a, a helmet that has been deemed unsafe. And so the, the NFL has basically said, with the NFLPA, by the way, this is a joint venture between the two. So they've said, hey, we're going to anything that over 10 years that doesn't pass certification, we're no, we're no longer going to let you wear these helmets. And so it's not like Antonio Brown's the only guy, right? Tom Brady has complained about having to change helmets, but he did it. There's a bunch of other guys. There's probably five or six other guys on his team that had to change their helmets out. And yet, they're there at camp. He's the one that didn't show up. And I will tell you, you talk to anybody who's played with Antonio Brown, and they'll tell you on the practice field he's an absolute monster. I mean, there's nobody that works harder, that goes full, more full speed, that all, all those things. Like, there's nobody out works him all this stuff. Now, he may not show up to meetings or show up to mandatory events or he may miss the flight or whatever the case may be. But, you know, when he's actually on details. the field. Yeah, when details. Yeah, when he's actually on the field, the guy is the guy's unbelievable, right? So, um, I just am like, these are self-inflicted wounds. You haven't been with your teammates, not because of unfortunate series of, of circumstances. It's because you chose not to be with your teammates. That's what it. That's what. I mean, let's accept responsibility here, right? You chose not to show up because you, you know, whined like a child about the helmet that you wanted to wear. 
That, that's what it comes down to. But what does it all mean? What does it mean for the Raiders? Okay, he's back. So what does all this mean moving forward? Well, I mean, I think I think the Raiders are a team that knew kind of they, – they were realistic with where they were last year. Talking to the Raiders, doing a Raiders game last year on Fox, um, you know, just – told me, listen, we, we're going to strip this thing down to the studs and rebuild it. So he's part of their rebuilding process. Like, you look at their roster. When I was calling their game, I'm looking at their wide receiving core. I'm like, there's not one guy on here who's a, a legit, like, even number two receiver. They had a bunch of number three. I don't think there's any receiver on their football team that was there last year. That's kind of where they were. So they've really stripped this thing down. I think they've done a good job of starting to rebuild the talent base, you know, but I mean, they've got a ways to go, but he's instant offense. Like you have a quarterback that you want to make a decision on. Antonio Brown is instant offense. The the guy is legit. The guy is legitimately uncoverable. And so um, he certainly is a big play waiting to happen. But we always talk about this, Mike. We always talk about when they revamp a, a, a coaching staff. When they come in with new coaches, it's about reestablishing a culture, right? Does that guy help you reestablish a winning culture? Oh, well, okay, here's where I'm going to disagree with you because you, these are the Raiders, okay? Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown comes from the Steelers. The Steelers had a Super Bowl winning culture, a Super Bowl expectation culture that Antonio Brown hurt. The Raiders are the Raiders. Okay, so the the Raiders would love to have the kind of culture that the Steelers had this past year, even one that was hurt by Antonio Brown. So my argument in all this is that the Raiders are at a point right now, they just need talent. They need talent. They need difference makers. Mm -hmm. They they need guys that are going to make the the remaining fans in Oakland and the new fans in Vegas pay attention. And – the the NFL ultimately it's a talent league. I mean they they send that message out constantly with all the bad guys that do bad things that continue to get second, third, fourth opportunities in this league because of their talent. And right now, I I, I know that you're about culture because you were part of winning cultures all over the place in your time in the NFL. But the Raiders have to acknowledge who they are right now. And right now they need more talent then they need to worry about guys who are going to build some eventual Super Bowl culture. I think, see, I think you fall in, you fall into a a narrative that sounds really good about talent, but you know, one, when you're building a football team, there's no right way to do something wrong. And when you put selfish players out there, when you play, you will put players that are more concerned about, about statistics than they are about the wins and losses. That's a problem. And that and, and that will permeate an organization, and it doesn't take many of those guys to have an adverse effect on everybody else. I don't know why this is, Mike, and, and I, I've always wondered about this. You can get, you know, you can get a roster of fifty-three guys. It only takes two or three bad apples to spoil a bunch of those players, and it's amazing. You can have all these professionals. Guys that work hard and do all this thing, and there's this fine line that you stand on. You tiptoe this line. And you get two or three guys on the opposite side of that line, and all of a sudden, 
It's amazing the, the cultural effect it has on your locker room. I don't know why that is. It's just that way. I would much rather have a group of guys that, to me, it's, it's kind of, and this is any walk of life or any business, it's amazing what you can accomplish when nobody cares who gets the credit. And to me, Antonio Brown is a guy that wants the credit. Like, it doesn't matter the accomplishment as long as I get mine. As long as I have 10 or 12 targets, we're going to be cool. As long as I'm producing, we're going to be cool. But when I when you don't throw me the ball, then I'm throwing over water buckets or I'm doing whatever it is that I'm going to do, and I'm going to, you know, stomp and scream, and, and I'm not showing up to meetings, and I'm going to miss, you know, mandatory things to, to, to make my point. And all I'm going by, Mike, is what I have to go by, which is his past. And we've gotten a, a snippet of things that have happened that have become public knowledge. I'm telling you what, go behind closed doors and talk to some of the people I've talked to. Man, we're not even scratching the surface of some of the stuff that cat has done. And I, and I, I for one, I'm with you on Pittsburgh, but I think he's been a big reason. Now, he's not the only one, but a big reason that – they didn't, you know, make the playoffs last year, or they haven't, like, you could make an argument that Pittsburgh has been so uber-talented on both sides of the ball to not win a championship in these last five or six years is a travesty. Well, when we're talking about culture guys, Dak Prescott, I think, has gone a long way towards reshaping yeah. the, the Cowboys culture. I'm a big, I'm a big Dak Prescott fan. You like fan. Dak a lot. Do yeah. you like him so much that you pay him $40 million a year? Let's not get like let's not get crazy. Like let's not like let's that's come on, the reports are that he wants forty. Well, I, I think there's a couple things going on here. One, I think that <laughs> that you look at, at Dak Prescott, you know, the guys who are getting paid more than anybody else in the league, like guys like, you know, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, the Ben Roethlisberger's of the world, and now I think the highest paid guy in the last contract negotiation was Russell Wilson, right? About $35 million. Okay. Those guys all have these things called Super Bowl championship trophies on their walls. Um, Dak has not done that. So there, there's two things I would say about this. One, you always start the negotiation way higher than you know what you're eventually going to settle for, right? So I think that's part of it. The other part, there's two things that have been released here recently. One is that Dak turned down $30 million a year. Okay? Now... I have to believe that that is released, that information is released from the Dallas Cowboys side because now it gets all the fans on the Cowboys side, on Jerry Jones's side. What? $30 million a year, he's a fourth round draft pick. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't gone to a gone to a Super Bowl like are you kidding me? And oftentimes when the league or when the teams announce those $30 million a year like those things are so backloaded and there's no front-loaded money, there's no guaranteed money, that they're not really $30 million a year. They're fake Monopoly money contracts. But the team releases those numbers to make the player look bad. It's what happened to Kirk Cousins for years in Washington. It's a fake contract. And so I have no doubt that they offered him something that, that said $30 million a year, but it wasn't real money. It was backloaded that he was never going to get. 
So I have no doubt that that happened. I have no doubt that the Cowboys released that information. I also have no doubt that Cowboys also released the information that he asked for $40 million a year, right? Because, again, it gets everybody on their side. Like, he's being unreasonable. But here's what I would say about, you know, negotiations. If you know you have a guy and you know he's going to be your future and you know you really like the guy, and you think he's a great leader and he's got an old soul about him and, and, and you think he's going to be a really good player and he's just going to continue to progress, this is a classic case of make sure you get to him proactively two years before his contract expires. You think about it. Had the Do- Dallas Cowboys come to him a year ago at this time and said, here it is, man, we're going to reward you. Like $22 million a year. He's a fourth-round pick, remember. What's he making right now this year? I think $2 million. Like, we're going to, hey, this is not only generational. This is life-changing money. This goes from your generation to the next generation and the generation after that. And you still have two years left of making, you know, 1.8 and 2.2. Do you think, do you think Dak looks at that and goes, yes? Do you think his agents look at that and go, yes? See, instead of why would you let your guys that you know are going to be part of your franchise get to the point where they can smell, they can, they, they look, they go, look, free agency on the horizon. Like, why would you do that? Because the franchise tag now, and Kirk Cousins proved this, the franchise tag now is a huge, it's huge money and it's a one-year fully guaranteed big money deal, right? So it's going to be 30-plus million, it's going to be real 30 million a year, you know? So, I mean, I would always say that that's something that you have to look at when it comes to, you know, the way you operate. What do you do if you're Jerry Jones? Because you've got, you've got Dak, you got Ezekiel Elliott, you got Amari Cooper. And I think a very telling comment here from Jerry Jones who said, quote, I've got to realize that I could let a DeMarcus Ware out of here because I don't have enough money because I paid it to too many others. That happened to me. I don't want that to happen again. Right. So, but but again, but how do you? But how okay. do, you, do you pay all three? But but it goes back to my no, and it goes back. So who's to, left out? Well, if you're going to leave one out, you got to leave the one out that that has the shortest shelf life, which is Zeke. Zeke, yeah. I mean, if you're going to leave one out, but again, this is this is management of your roster. Did you think all of a sudden you were were you make after last season or during last season? Do you think you were making a decision legitimately that we're not sure if Dak's our guy? We might want to get dip back into the draft and see if one of these, you know, what's the kid's name, Fromm from Georgia or um, Tua Tungalavo. Uh, Just call him Tua. Tua Tungalavo. Tunga Viola. Viola. No, Tunga. Tunga Viola. Tua Viola. Viola? I'm telling Viola? you. Just go with Tua. Tua. Tunga Viola. Tunga Viola. I'm out of shape. Viola. Tunga Viola. I'm out Tua of shape. Tunga Viola. All right, good. It's close enough. Tua. We'll go with Tua. Tua. Um, yeah, I mean, are you are you willing to say, hey, let's, you know, let's poop can this season and, uh, and you know, get ourselves the number one or number two pick? Come on, stop. That's, uh, it's unrealistic, right? You, you've built a really good roster, a really young, good roster. You got one of the best offensive lines in football. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got a lot of talent. You're just gonna you're just gonna you're just gonna can it and go. Okay, maybe we can get 
Tua. And stop it. You knew you were going that direction. I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? You knew you, you knew that's the direction you were going, so stay with it. So you're prepared to let Zeke walk? If I have to, yeah. What, what leverage does Zeke have? And, and running back in this league, what, and, and is is Todd Gurley as good as Todd Gurley is? Is Todd Gurley not a cautionary tale about playing, playing that position? So, I mean, that guy went from, hey, he may be a, um, you know, he may be an MVP candidate all the way up to week 12. And then from week 12 on, it's like he's taking too many hits and he's got an arthritic knee and things aren't, and things, you know, I mean, he was just non-existent the, the last four or five games of the season. And, and in the playoffs, it just it, he just wasn't very good. You know, on the subject of uh, the importance of quarterbacks, I like the Colts this year. I think for all the talk and all the uh-huh. breathless hyperbole that's been thrown the Cleveland Browns way, I think the Colts are actually a much more serious threat in the AFC. But then I heard about Andrew Luck having a, yet another injury. This one's good because you love the, the use of ish. You mm-hmm. know, you yeah. like yeah. middle-ish. You know, middle-ish yeah. you know, you like the use of ish. Right. So how about Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, saying that uh, right now Andrew Luck's latest injury injury is in the ankle-ish area. Yeah, yeah, the ankle-ish. That, the, that brings it, a lot into play, right. doesn't it? It can be a high ankle sprain. It can be a calf. calf. It can be, you know. The dreaded Achilles. Mm. Here's the thing, you know. Remember Kevin Durant when his was a calf injury? Yes. That all of a sudden became a popped Achilles tendon. So you know your calf muscle actually comes down, and there's a junction point where it becomes the tendon, the Achilles tendon, right? Like that. That's like I, I have. I'm not a doctor, and I haven't taken any anatomy classes, but I have been hurt a lot, and I kind of I've had 29 surgeries. Well, I think I, you almost have like a right mini doctorate in right anatomy, but, but so a calf injury. If it was just a calf strain or some type of calf injury, thing would heal within a, a couple of weeks. They're like, hey, he he had this calf injury in the offseason OTAs, and it'll be fine by training camp. And then it's like, well, it's not fine by training camp, but it, it, at the beginning of training camp, but he'll be ready to go in a couple of weeks in the middle of training camp. Then it's like, hey, he may not be able to go till week one or week two now. Like, at what point does this go beyond a calf injury to become, you know, a tendon? Injury or something that's more significant? Does is he run the risk of planting really hard and popping his Achilles tendon, like Kevin Durant? I mean that this is this is again Andrew Luck went from you know the greatest the highest draft grade in Mel Kiper's draft board can't since miss. John Elway can't miss can't miss prospect to to right now the injury issues have really hindered his career and he was really good last year again, but. Um, but very kind of frightening for Indianapolis Colts and the Colts fans. Isn't that kind of a like right away for him to say Ballard say, yeah, it's it's not a, a definite that he's you know back for week one. I, I'm I'm reading between the lines there that, that right, they are thinking about what happened to Durant. That we have to be real right. careful with this because it could eventually become something that you know is 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 season ending, career threatening. There's, I don't think there's any question. And but here's the deal, if like if it hasn't gotten significantly better to the point where you can play now, like what makes you think that when the week one rolls around, week two rolls around, and you go out there, 
Like, they thought that Kevin Durant was going to be able to play. They yep. thought that Kevin Durant was okay. They cleared him to play. And as soon as he planted really hard, you know, we used to call it the button. The button is when you have an injury, like you have something that's bothering you, when you get into the game, that button's going to get pushed. Right? So you can go through practice and you can feel pretty good. And you can do all those things. But eventually, when you get into the actual games, that button's going to get – it doesn't matter where the button is. The button's getting pushed. And that's kind of one of those button situations. Like, you can get through practice and it's not as intense and everything else. And you get into the game, there's diff- just different shearing forces on your body during games when real live guys are trying to pummel you. And you plant really hard and pop goes the weasel. You know, I mean, that's the way it works. I hope he's okay. I I, I, I really like watching him play. I like his personality. I, I mean, I – and, and his importance love, to the league, and the Colts could be a really good team with him, yes. but they need him. And so I, I, I hope that this is just a minor setback. And yeah, and and I also love the press conference stuff. I love the neck beard, and I love the fact that he sounds really daisily and almost, you know, is like, uh, oh, we got really he's plus his goofy. Uh, plus his Civil War account. Right, I need that too. Yeah, you got to have the Civil War account. Captain just, Andrew Luck, like, the whole, the whole thing. You know, I mean, it's all part of the package. It's, yeah, you it's, got any uh, ish areas that are hurting you right now? You got all kinds of, I got all kinds of ish areas. Both the you know my shoulders, shoulder ish area, so, shoulder ish area, yeah, yeah. sore shoulder ish yeah. area, yeah, yeah. sore knee ish yeah. area, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. All kinds of things. You got man. all kinds of things. I got my backish. Hey, everybody, take care of your ish. That's right. Take care of your ish. Take care of Don't your Don't let ish. those ish issues right. build. Don't be afraid to put some healing salve on your ish. <laughs> A little gold bond on your yeah. ish. Yeah. <laughs> Get that thing taken care of. Hey, for everybody associated with the Stinky Truth Podcast, for myself, for Mike, for Scott, uh, we appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. And we'll be back with you later on in the week.